Hi, friend. Welcome to the Artist Blend. Today, we are talking about the history of American dance, and not necessarily any like fancy chronological academic study, but just sort of chatting about different aspects of it. Yeah, so grab your mug, and let's get talking. Well, hello, everyone. Hello. It is evening, so... Um, it is the PM. It is the PM, and we both want to sleep. So this episode, we will not be doing coffee. <sighs> We're just enjoying a nice little tea. Um, feel free to join us in this evening. Yeah, a lowercase tea. What are you drinking, Easton? I have a chai tea with a little bit of <clears throat> pumpkin creamer mixed in, which normally I don't use creamer for anything, but we had this pumpkin creamer from an event that we were a part of last weekend, and hey. I was like, why not? So I have a nice little pumpkin chai. Tis the season. Well, it's very fall, yes. I am having English rose tea, um, which is quite enjoyable, and we can discuss it afterwards, but just very relaxing. Does it smell like a rose? It doesn't. It doesn't? It doesn't. It has more of like a, a dandelion scent, which is interesting. Um, but who knows? <laughs> I know far less about tea than I know about coffee. I only know enough about tea because of my mother, Ugh. who listens. So, hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's very tea aficionado, hey. um, mainly because of her, her British roots yeah. being born there. She feels like it's the closest thing to keep her <laughs> within her British roots. Yeah, so. that's cool. <laughs> well, like we said, uh, today we're talking about, the, the, I think the official title is Dancing Through the Decades. The history of American yeah. dance, and we are hey. talking about um, different aspects of dance. I know you have like a list yeah. of popular dances of different decades, and um, there were like two, well, a few topics in particular that I wanted to delve in, um, like the history of tap dance and um, sure. Alvin Ailey and, and a few other like hey, movements hey. and things. So hey. it's sort of like a catch-all dance history episode. It's not at all any sort yeah. of succinct um, path of academic no. learning. It's sort of just like, hey, yeah. I found this out. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, we're like we're like bullet points on Wikipedia. Yeah, if you just looked up dance. Like this, this is all this is gonna yeah. be. <laughs> but um, that being said, uh, we both have come from different backgrounds within mm. dance. Um, mine is mainly through musical theater, and only having been maybe the past seven years of experience necessarily, mm. uh, formal training within my second. Uh, degree, but even then, I am what I would say is a great mover. I can dance. I'm just not a dancer. Mm. Quote. So heard. <laughs> uh, yeah. As always, we never want to pretend like we are experts in any subject that we're talking about. We the uh-uh. whole if you if you're new here, uh, the whole thing yes. of this show is is um the purpose is to learn and to grow and to try new things. And so yeah. um, this is one of those episodes that we are certainly not both experts in what we're talking about. Nope. Um, nope. My experience <laughs> in dance is rather similar. Um, I started doing musicals in like seventh grade. And then, of course, as being in musical theater, you have to dance a little bit. Um, yeah. And then a lot Just of it. And then, you know, sometimes it's a straight <laughs> play. Sometimes it's a it's a ballet. I don't know. But um, yes, <laughs> I did. I did take like one ballet class. When I was, mm. I don't know, like 15, I, I want to say, 15 okay. or 16. And I cried. Yeah. Um, oh, it was no. so stressful. <laughs> and they were like, oh, it's a beginner class. Well, it's like a simple, it's very chill. And it was chill, 
but it was However. not a beginning. They were like throwing all the words out that I didn't know what they were. And they're like, now we're just going to Shanae across the floor. And I was like, yeah. Shanae? Who's Shanae? she? And who is she? <laughs> so it stressed me out a lot. But yeah. and then, you know, in yeah. college I had I dance was a whole journey for me in college, which we've talked about a bit. But um yeah, yeah I love dance. I'm not a, a dancer from birth, but I do consider myself a dancer, but not to the point to where, you know, I'm not kicking my face every day. But yeah. Um <laughs> anyway. That's a different yeah. Thing. Yeah. So <laughs> why don't you start us off and take us into your bullet points? Sure. So dance within the realms that I know of of it is within musical theater has only been really popularized since the 1920s. Um, and it came from different movements within dance, but really 1926 to 1927 um, Broadway season is where a lot of things took off. If you're familiar with any of that, uh, that's where we get Ziegfeld's Follies, um, it's where we start to see Fred and Adele Astaire becoming huge stars within their own right. Mm-hmm. Um, and just this specific genre of dance being classified for musical theater. And really that comes from uh, actually Greek origins of um, dan- movement within uh, theatrical displays necessarily. And really, the first documented theatrical dance performance was actually in 1783 in Vienna, Austria. Um, And it was for, uh, it was the groundwork for future theatrical dance performances, Um, all the way up to leading to the forms of ballet, modern jazz, and tap and hip hop, which Easton's going to go into uh, tap a little bit, as well as other dance forms in a bit. But I found it interesting that it hasn't just been the 1920s like we like to think about sometimes, but um, in other forms, the research that I've seen a little bit is this is talking about decades, and coincidentally, it started in the 1920s <laughs> with this article that I was looking at. Uh, in 1920s, this is 10 decades of dancing in the USA, is what uh, this article is titled. And in the 1920s, it was swing dancing which thinking about musicals and or just dance that you hear about from the time, it is very swingy. Um, and then coincidentally in 1930s, it was the moonwalk, huh. which I, w- I would not have Like the Michael Jackson moonwalk but... in the 30s? Yes, very, yes. But it, sa- it says here, and if you're shaking your head thinking the moonwalk was created by Michael Jackson, <laughs> think again. Call me out. It says this move though called The Buzz at the time, was first stepped by jazz icon Cab Calloway as early as 1932. Wow. So that's actually really interesting. I knew really he didn't invent yeah. it, but I assumed yeah. it was far more recent than it is. Interesting. Yeah, I got you. I, I would have done the same thing, been like, oh, Michael Jackson, but it's like, hmm. ooh, interesting. It, it is fascinating that we're like, we associate dance moves with certain yeah. icons, but it, they're just copying somebody <laughs> else, I guess. Um in 1940s, it was mambo and mm. East Coast swing. In 1950s, it was hand jive and cha-cha, which is interesting. Because um, all of these, you think about the time period, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Um, for instance, in the 1960s, it was locking, popping, and robotting. Robotting in the 60s? Yes. What? Exactly. <laughs> yep, apparently. That's so interesting. 
Right? And um, then in the 1970s, it was disco, Chicago, Steppen, and okay. Salsa. Um, in 1980s, it was rock and roll, which, yeah, it was a, a dance that associated with the mm-hmm. music form. So just think rock and roll, <laughs> and you're probably going to understand what we're talking about. In the 1990s, it was Zumba and Memphis Joking, uh, J-O-O-K-I-N, huh. um, which is interesting, but also interesting. <laughs> Um, but I also would associate Zumba with a workout class, not necessarily a genre, but I mean, yeah, (laughs) it is. Um, and then in 2000s, it was crumping and electro dance. And then 2010s, a little bit of everything. Uh, we, we are kind of in this flash mob style where anything is game on the dance floor, which is kind of cool to see, but also it's like one of those abstract paintings that I look at and I'm like, I don't know what to focus on. There's too much uh-huh. happening. Um, and then there's one last article that I saw, and it, this is uh, talking about dances specifically. So the one that uh, I just previously mentioned was sort of dance styles. But in the 1920s, the most popular <laughs> dance was the Charleston, mm-hmm. which if you're familiar, familiar with um, musical theater, you'll be familiar with that. Uh, if you're not look up deleted scenes from The Wizard of Oz doing the jitterbug, because I think they do the Charleston and that. Uh, in 1930s and 40s, it was uh, a still the age of swing, so there isn't necessarily a specific dance, but swing dancing was the 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 height and the hip thing to do, if you will. Um, in 1950s, it was rockin' and boppin', which is apparently a faster bebop-type <laughs> style. Uh, 1960s, it was Twist and Shout, which I thought was a song, but here we are, showing my age. (laughs) Uh, 1970s was Disco Inferno, um, and you had popular moves from The Hustle and YMCA. So basically, if you think of Saturday Night Fever, that's the 70s. (laughs) Um, In 1980s, it was Walking on the Moon. Walking on the Moon is actually associated with breakdancing. Um, because in 1980s, rap started its climb to the top of the charts, and with it, an exciting new style called breakdancing. So that's that's yeah. actually really cool. Um, from voguing to walking like an Egyptian, <laughs> nothing captured the imagination of the nation like the moonwalk. So it this is actually crediting Michael Jackson for popularizing yeah. the moonwalk, whereas the other article was like, no, he didn't <laughs> do it. Um, interesting. Uh, 1990s, the Macarena, which... I don't know if you know, but I do. Uh, <laughs> I think if anybody went to a like early 2000s birthday party at a roller rink, they know the mm-hmm. Macarena. Mm-hmm. They know that. They know that, and they know shares. Do you believe in love after love? Yeah, that's all they would ever play. Or feel it feels like that's mm-hmm. all they would play. Uh, 2000s is hip hop. Don't stop. Um, which is associated with crumping. I. I, I guess I'm showing my age. I have no idea. Okay, I know is. crumping because of iCarly. Okay, great. They had okay. There was this guy on YouTube who sm- like smothered himself in peanut butter and then crumped, cramped. I don't know. Cr- okay, probably not cramped. cramped. He he was Crumpet. a crumper. Crumped. <laughs> <laughs> but they had him on iCarly, and it was a whole thing. So I knew what that was because of iCarly. So thanks, Carly. Thanks, Miranda Amazing. Cosgrove. Okay, yeah. Thank. Thanks. <laughs> and then it says 2010s, we are the age of online, which 
is actually talking about social media platforms being the main form of dancing. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I would I would have pushed it back from 2010s, but that makes sense honestly because YouTube is when That's true. 2010s is when YouTube started to take rise. Because in here it's talking about 2012 size Gangnam style or Gangnam style, yeah. excuse me, uh, was popularized and that that sweeped everywhere and everybody was yeah. doing Gangnam style. Uh, her Gangnam style. I don't remember how I've to heard it used it. interchangeably. And then I mean, you had the internet sensation of Harlem Shake. Oh, I forgot about that. I did too, but uh, interestingly enough, this article says another inter- uh, internet smash from the same era was the mm-hmm. Harlem Shake. It is a revitalized version of an early 1980s NYC really? club dance that saw itself performed by countless celebrities and athletes and turned into widely popular huh. memes. Interesting. That is interesting. Um, and then finally it says into the future, TikTok and beyond. Hmm. So yeah. take that as everyone will yeah. understand because we live in a phase where it's like, oh, you have 10 seconds, do a dance. Oh, it's popular. Great. The TikTok dance age. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, looking at social dances, I mean, each decade having this craze, like this is the craze of there's always a new craze every week because of TikTok. And once that craze is popularized, it's already yeah. old. Apparently, hmm. sometimes. Um, the other thing is, uh, I would include somewhere in that article, it, but like I would even say video games because you have games like um, the Fortnite dance, Fortnite, where <laughs> that is yeah, all my little brother were would popularized do for all the months. I <laughs> know, <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's kind of decade, yeah. if you will, quote unquote. As we said, we're we're giving a broad spectrum. A lot of other things that I may talk about may tie in with hmm. what you have to say. So why don't we move on to? Um, do you want to talk about sure, your yeah. tap first, or which yeah, one yeah. do you want to start with? So, um, let me go over to my notes here, like a fancy person. Um, so most of what I have is from an article yep. that I found in the Library of Congress website, um, nice. called "Tap Dance in America: A Short History," uh, written by Eight. Constance Hill. Um, Interesting. It is a long and troubled history. And mm. it is so much more complex than I ever thought it was. In my brain, I was like, well, you know, tap dance was sort of like, it's the Fred Astaire thing, and it was mm-hmm. big at the Broadway musicals and the flashy stuff in the 40s mm-hmm. and all that. But it yeah. goes back centuries and centuries and arguably before that. But um, the thing about American tap dancing is that it really is American and that it's a melting pot. It's a fusion of so many different mm-hmm. things and so many different cultures. So our yep. concept of American tap dancing um, will start around like 1700s with uh, oh, wow. a combination of the Irish jig, which was, you know, obviously yeah. a musical and dance form from Ireland. And then yep. the West African jube or juba yeah. and juba. Um, and yeah. that was it could be a sacred or secular um, stepping dance. And yeah. There were lots of times throughout history, particularly in the last few centuries, um, where in different countries across the world, there were Irish indentured servants and African slaves who were living and working together. And during these times, each culture's, well, each group, each people group's culture was impacted by the Mm -hmm. other, and that included their dance. And um, so we see this sort of combination of the Irish jig and the West African juba from... Uh, centuries ago and 
so fast forwarding a bit to um, pre-Civil War, you um, you had slaves, you had indentured servants, and particularly in the South, there are multiple accounts of jigging contests on plantations, huh. and the white masters huh. would build stages and have their slaves compete in jigging contests, and other slaves from other wow. plantations and other slave owners would come to see them. So it was like an event. And I, yeah, it's, there's, there's lots of accounts. Mark Twain talks about it in one of his books. There's, um, a few different hey. slaves who have, uh, gone on record and like talked about it in, you know, old, old first person accounts, which is yep. uh, just something I had no idea even with a thing. Yeah, neither um, did I. But that for, uh, sort of moves forward the concept of American tap dance and, um, its relevancy during that time in history. Vocal health is incredibly important. Sometimes you get tired, you get allergies, you get overworked, and your voice suffers, which can really put a damper on your work as a singer, actor, or even public speaker. Vocal Mist can help with that. It's a portable nebulizer that uses an isotonic saline to make a cool mist that you inhale. It's been research proven to help the voice stay hydrated and working well. The Vocal Mist Portable Nebulizer is a fast and easy way to keep your vocal cords healthy, give you better vocal stamina, and can mitigate damage from overuse. I have one of my own that I absolutely love, and if you use your voice in your artistic endeavors, I can't recommend this enough. Use the affiliate link in the show notes and get your Vocal Mist Portable Nebulizer today. And so, moving out uh, post Civil War, um, you, late eighteen, or excuse me, late seventeen hundreds to early eighteen hundreds, um, the next sort of cultural group to move along tap dance were the minstrel shows, both white and black yeah. minstrel shows. Um, which, yep. when I read white and black minstrel shows, I was like, wait, hang on, what? I always assumed that it yep. was uh, always blackface. But one thing that I had no idea was a thing was that um, after. Uh, the Civil War, um, there were uh, black groups that did minstrel shows. They had black owners, black managers, and black composers. Yeah. And this was a way that they were able to make money in one of the very few ways that black people could make a yeah. living at this time, particularly, wow. obviously, in entertainment. And yeah, it's, But that is just, it's another fascinating rabbit hole, a horrible, awful yeah. rabbit hole. But I just never even knew that that was an aspect of that industry. Neither did I in any of the training or like discussions yeah. we have had in our there's so many within there's dance, so many so, different yeah. in in so much of this podcast I feel like both of us have seen and experienced that our understanding of art and academia comes so much from that that Eurocentric point of view that we talked about with Deontay <laughs> um, a few <laughs> episodes back uh, not a few it was like 10, 20, I don't know what it was it was a, it it was was a long time 10 ago or 20, but um, go, go find, find it, it. It's, uh, a good it's called sing, <laughs> yeah. what, singing in one voice I think anyway Deontay is a lovely human being yes but we talked a lot about that Eurocentric point of view so this is a whole other rabbit hole that I won't go down yeah. but it there's lots of interesting information out there particularly in this yeah. um, article that we can link in the show nice. notes um, okay yes. so now fast forwarding to the early 1900s that is when, for the first time, metal taps were actually added to the shoes. Before that, yeah. it was either hard-soled shoes or clogs or even hobnailed boots. I uh, yeah okay. This is where like 
my understanding yeah. starts to come in because of of what yeah. we know. So, but yeah. I didn't. Even, I I had heard the term hobnailed before, but I was like, I don't really know uh-huh. what it is. It's literally just like nails yep. in your shoe. They like screw yep. downward. It's, it's crazy yep. anyway. But like, just it's like cleats, but they're nails. Um, uh-huh. I cannot imagine trying to tap dance with nails on my feet. Yeah, that probably leads into uh, something called street tap, which I don't know if you'll mm. get into, but that's a whole other yeah, yeah, yeah. different form of tap yes. dancing. Yes, so then um, we have uh, 20s and we have jazz tap dance, which started to incorporate mm-hmm. elements of jazz, like polyrhythms and improvisation and swing. Mm-hmm. And then fast forwarding mm-hmm. to the 40s, you have Latin American and Afro-Caribbean mm-hmm. rhythms that were folded into the mix. And then the 80s, the same thing happened with hip hop. Um, and mm-hmm. so you have all of these different cultures and all of these different movements that were sort of folded into American tap dance. And you can yeah. argue in some instances that uh, they were appropriated. You can argue in some instances that it was just um, incorporated into this larger mm-hmm. understanding of, of culture and move and the, the cultural movement of this hitting our feet on the floor dance, you know? Um, yeah. But I think the important thing about tap is that it, it's this ever expansive form of dance that takes shape in so many different cultures and expressions in so many different ways all over the world. And mm. in America, ours was born from the Irish and the West Africans. And then from there, um, so many different cultures were um, sort of folded. I, 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 from what I understand from this article, the, um, I think the most appropriate way to look at it is that it's just the melting pot. Um, yeah. of cultures and uh, it's what's the word I'm looking for um, it was impacted by different people groups hey. and so we have this lovely yep. combination of rhythms and, and gesture and um, sound mm-hmm. and, and intention and also like um, setting like sometimes when you get yeah. like to, to street dancing you have like uh, <laughs> like tap battles and, and, um, and stuff yep. like that and you you have your West Side Story opening number thing, oh, yes. you know, and that's there's so many yep. different venues and mm-hmm. um, avenues in which it's yeah, like presented. how it's presented and in what um, yeah. way it's presented, which is interesting. I, I would almost argue uh, the the analogy of it being a melting pot makes sense, and a lot of people can think that. But the way you're describing it, I actually think of um, bread for some reason because you you're folding mm-hmm. in all these different layers and you can make the same kind of bread, but two loaves will look exactly yeah. differently or be their own thing. So it's it's interesting to learn that, uh, as you said, we've always had this European eyesight, if you will, of our understanding and now to understand. Yes, yeah. uh, yes. Um, and now seeing it to where it's like, oh, you have this layer, this layer, this layer. Okay, combine it all and throw it in the oven. Yeah. Okay, now you have tap. Yeah. That's, that's fascinating, mm-hmm. so... Um, the other thing that I wanted to touch on mm. was the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Yes, 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 please. yes, yes, yes. Um, oh. And I have a a story to share also, which I'm sure you have okay, the exact good. same one because we were in the same class. Possibly, um, but yeah. <laughs> so one of our professors, um, mm-hmm. what uh, her name is Maggie, and mm-hmm. um, she was the last dancer to be selected by Alvin Ailey personally before he passed yeah um crazy i believe his his health started to deteriorate in like the year or two following but he was the Uh uh she was the very last dancer that he himself handpicked which crazy Crazy. 
I know. Um, that's so cool. <laughs> Uh, anyway, there's more to that story, and if you know her, go ask her. But otherwise, um, yes, yeah, I don't want to just like yeah, mind, mind your business. business. Anyway, there's a good story there. Uh, <laughs> ask us if you want. But um, yeah. Anyway, so the Alvin Ailey American mm. Dance Theater. So let's go back in time again to 1958, um, like mid uh, mid 1950s. So we're at the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, the the first few years of the civil rights movement. Um, and Alvin Ailey, he looks around, he considers the landscape of dance, particularly in the concert dance world, and he didn't hey. see black stories being told, and he didn't see black yep. dancers on the stage. And so yep. um, he collected a group. There were seven African-American modern dancers, and in 1958, mm-hmm. on March 30th, Alvin Ailey and the rest of the group performed for the first time as the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Um, they were in New York on 92nd Street. And um, from that point, they then went on uh, station wagon tours. And uh, hey. a friend of of um, Alvin, Mickey Board, would drive them around in these, like, beat up station... Uh, they call them station wagons, so I can only assume that yeah. it was a, a rough ride for the group. <laughs> um <laughs> It's the equivalent of tour yeah, bus exactly. now. Yeah, so. exactly. I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You don't think of luxury being a, a tour bus <laughs> or a station wagon. So from there, the company started to do these, uh, what they called station wagon tours, and they were driven around by a friend of, of Alvin's, Mickey Board. Um, mm-hmm. And in 1960, uh, Alvin choreographed Revelations, which is still today one of the most influential pieces in modern dance. Um, And it was, uh, goodness, it's just, it's lovely. If you haven't seen it or don't know it, look it up. Um, It's on YouTube. It's wonderful. PBS has lots of coverage on um, Mm -hmm. Alvin Ailey, American Dance Theater. And yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, So I listened to a... Uh, an interview with Robert Battle, who is the current artistic director. Um, oh, okay, cool. And and also, I thought this was really cool. So Alvin, um, before he died in 1989, um, he passed on the company to Judith Jameson, and um, yeah. he personally picked her. And then um, she selected Robert Battle in 2011 to succeed her. Um, and I just think it's really cool that there's this intention from Alvin's vision is holding true for these handpicked people. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, instead of just anybody, it's handpicked no matter, no matter if it's Alvin or anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so Robert in that, uh, PBS interview, um, one thing he said that I loved is as far as talking about the company's beginnings was that quote, he had, or quote, Alvin uh, had equal parts fear and courage, which creates the kind of friction that is needed to press on, end quote. Yeah. And so uh, he talked about how this was in the middle of the civil rights movement. And um, yeah. Alvin was went on record at the time of, uh, of the civil rights movement to say that his protest was the dance. This was his form of protesting. Ooh. And it was to yeah. tell the stories that weren't being told. Um, yeah. And they talked with Robert about how um, that that mission is still going on, and and there's some really cool stuff that they're doing and have been doing. Um, so they this company has done so much to tell uh, the story of people of color in America and to 
um, have the hard conversations and but they also have some really just like fun pieces out there too um, it's yeah. just a lovely company that uh, gave voice to the voiceless and um, yep. still continues to produce incredible dance in the United States nice. um, and all over the world um, yeah. so I'll end this section with a quote from their website um, mm. that sort of talks about the trajectory of the company and, and where it's going and, yeah. and what it is today. Quote, The Ailey Company has gone on to perform for an estimated 25 million people at theaters in 48 states and 71 countries on six continents, as well as millions more through television broadcasts, film screenings, and online platforms. In 2008, right. a U.S. congressional resolution designated the company as, quote, a vital American cultural ambassador to the world, close quote, that celebrates the uniqueness of the African-American cultural experience and the preservation and enrichment of the American modern dance heritage. When Mr. Ailey mm. began creating dances, he drew upon his, quote, blood memories, quote, of Texas, mm. the blues, spirituals, and gospel as inspiration, which resulted in the creation of his most popular and critically acclaimed work, Revelations. Although mm. he created 79 ballets over his lifetime, Mr. Ailey maintained that his company was not exclusively a repository for his own work. Today, mm. the company continues Mr. Ailey's mission by presenting important works of the past and commissioning new ones. In all, more than 235 works by over 90 choreographers had been part of the Ailey's company repertory. End quote. So that's, that's the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater. Yeah. They're simply incredible yeah. company. Um, any of their works that I've seen, it's breathtaking. It's haunting. It's you. You can't look away, and you can't leave without feeling the emotion mm -hmm. that goes into it. I love the quote that you were talking about um, about his his dance being the protest. Yeah, like that's just beautiful, beautiful statement, and you can see mm -hmm. it um, within the works. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. If anybody hasn't seen this, this isn't a spoiler, but wasn't the Alvin Ailey company um, involved with the new Little Mermaid dancing? I remember hearing that. I I think it was. So I think it's for Under the Sea as the main se uh, like segment, but I think all of the animation was... Yeah. Uh, what Inspired by yeah. Alvin Ailey dancing. Okay, this is, a, which is really cool. an article on... Um, Indie Wire, so um, talks about. So they were talking about Under the Sea, and they were like, "We have one live actor in this giant production number where everything else is effects." And so yeah. um, Walt Disney, whenever they, oh wow, this is so cool. Uh, whenever they were making Fantasia, and uh, mm -hmm. Walt Disney brought in the Ballet Russe. And they uh, worked with them to create the dances for Fantasia. So wow. the Little Mermaid team brought in the Avadale American Dance Theater to London to work with the VFX artists over there. And um, Crazy. Yeah, it said, and we had this beautiful company of dancers literally replicate how each sea creature moved so that we could use that as hey. templates for our artists to create this massive production. That is so yeah. cool. That's awesome. Having just watched Fantasia too, I can see exactly what you were talking about. But yeah. Like, uh, I remember seeing the the dancing in the new Little Mermaid and was just blown away. And then in the end credits, when you see the uh, Alvin Ailey company hmm. listed, I was like, "That's awesome!" Yeah. Uh, and it it's funny because 
had I not had the training or the exposure within my degree, Alvin Ailey Company, um, I might not have even put two and two together yeah. to recognize it. So that's really cool. Yeah. And there was one other subject that I was planning to delve into. Um, I'm not sure if you have any others, but at least for me, that was it. Uh, I was planning to delve a little bit into Native American dance. Yeah. Um, and just kind of talk about um, that history. But as I started to look into it, mm-hmm. it was just this massive undertaking that I felt like I could not uh, yeah. incorporate into this episode with a respectful amount of time. It was, it's just, you know, because not only is it a huge, long, rich uh, history, but also yeah. you have thousands of different subcultures of <laughs> within this, our concept of Native Americans, you know, um, mm-hmm. it was there's the 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 different types of Mm -hmm. aspects of the history is just endless so um not that i don't want to talk about that because yeah maybe we do a part two down the line maybe we have a a whole episode but i'm fascinated i'm fascinated with that enough to say let's just do a part two and or its own episode because yeah it's it's something that has always let us know if you want us to do that and we'll do it within either viewing it or hearing about it so i say let's do it yeah Let's talk about tea, yeah. shall we, as we wrap up? Yeah. I en- I enjoyed having tea yeah. as a break, honestly, as, as late as it is. It was just relaxing. Mm-hmm. I think I should just have tea in the evening more often. <laughs> it's put me in this mindset of just a chill evening. Um, but mine was lovely. It has floral notes. It. The other thing about tea is it is not coffee. It does not tell you what what's in it. It's basically just here it is. Um, yeah. I feel like those. I feel like tea bags use emotional words. It's like float on the fluffy cal- that, the fluffy cloud and drift off to sleep, or like release your anxiety. And so it's just all this flowery language. It's like dried up leaves, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. This was very floral. Um, it was rosy in the sense of rose flavor, but not scent. As I as I mentioned earlier, it was like dandelion scenty. But yeah, it was enjoyable. How was yours? Nice. It was nice. I'm not a huge chai guy, but um, with the pumpkin, I thought it was nice. Um, yes. It's not. It's definitely not my go-to. But I'm not a huge tea person in general, and this was a nice, yep. fun little tea venture for me. I got you. You want to get us out of here, Easton? Mm-hmm. All right, everybody. Raise your mugs. Raised. Be good beans and drink good beans. Yeah. Have good a good one. Bye. Artists Blend theme music was written and produced by Christopher and Sarah Bailey of Well Wishes Productions, a Nashville-based boutique production company specializing in multimedia production, live event contracting, studio, and live vocals. Find Incognita's infamous adventures on Amazon Prime and its soundtrack on all digital platforms.